0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Your Health and Your Wealth, live from my living room. It's great to have you with me. Ahead on the program, we're going to be taking a look at superannuation. Uh, The early access to your super, the first phase ends in a few days. So what do you need to know about it? And what do you actually know about superannuation? Hopefully, we'll be talking about that later. But first, let's check in on your health. And a new CSIRO study has found that 36% of Australians felt that their diet worsened during COVID 19, while two in five of us put on extra weight. So I thought this might be a good time to talk about nutrition. And more specifically, what are the diets that are out there? So for more, I am joined by accredited nutritionist and dietitian, Joel Ferrin. Joel, hopefully you've got me there. How are you going, Joel?
1: My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: So let's talk about the basics of nutrition, right? What are they?
1: Yeah, look, I think it would almost mirror what your grandmother would say eat mostly whole foods, reduce some of those what dietitians call your non-core foods. So traditionally they're called junk foods. Um, I try not to call them junk foods. I think they're the uh, the sometimes foods. So we can still have those foods in our diet but maybe just have them less often and have less of them. So I think the foods that we need to be focusing more on are things like your fruits, your vegetables, whole grains, your lean proteins as well as your dairy. So they're really the fundamentals of any any diet. Joel,
0: obviously people, well, not obviously, but I think a lot of people just want to be told this is what you should eat to be healthy or this is what you should eat to put on muscle or this is what you should eat to to lose weight, right? But people react differently to different foods, don't they?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. We know that some people have allergies and intolerances and and any type of diet, it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach. We all have different food preferences. We all come from different backgrounds. Uh, You know, we all eat differently to some extent. So I think, you know, just on what I said before is, trying to focus more on those whole foods, eating more fruits, vegetables, trying to incorporate more colours into your diet. And certainly if you notice that you don't react well to certain foods, well, it might not necessarily mean that you need to eliminate that whole food group, but perhaps restricting some of those problematic foods in your diet um, but yes I, I totally agree we don't need a one-size-fits-all approach and uh, even when people come to see me i'm certainly not prescriptive we don't necessarily need uh, a one-size-fits-all approach you know we're all wired slightly differently
0: Joel, there are so many different diet types or styles out there, right? Uh, Can we maybe go through some of the the ones that are on trend or the ones that seem to be getting a lot of attention? And one that I'm hearing a lot of lately are plant-based diets. What's your take on
1: them? Yeah, look, I'm a a big lover of plant-based diets. Not that you necessarily need to eschew all meat foods or foods that are derived from animals. We can still incorporate meat, chicken, uh, dairy in our diet, I think um, what we need to do is be more plant focused. So incorporate more of these plant foods. I've already touched on fruits, vegetables, whole grains, as well as legumes. And we know that they're underutilized in the Australian diet and people who generally eat more of these plant-based foods are going to have better gut health their digestive system is going to be working uh we're probably going to go to the toilet more often than those people who don't eat enough of those foods and we're generally going to be healthier we're going to reduce our risk of things like heart disease type 2 diabetes and certain types of cancers so if you can incorporate more of more plant-based foods in your diet I certainly think you're uh, you're going to hold yourself in good stead Joel
0: there are so many others out there, right? So you've got keto, you've got CSIRO, you've got Atkins. I mean, they're just some of them. What are the ones that you've looked into? What are they, and what are the pros and cons?
1: Yeah, look, uh, Ricardo. I don't know if your viewers can see my receding hairline and uh, my grays. I'd like to blame it on my daughter, but I, I think I'll blame it on some of these uh, diet trends. They really um. They're a real bugbear of mine. And uh, you know I think if we look at keto and Atkins, they're almost one and the same. So advocates for those types of diets suggest that we should be avoiding all forms of carbohydrate. And when we do so, our bodies will turn to, to fat as its main energy source. And it all sounds great in theory, but eliminating carbohydrate-rich foods eliminates certain types of nutrients, um eliminates also lots of dietary fiber and people who follow these rigid restrictive regimes for a period of time can suffer things like fatigue bad breath um, even poor sleeping habits so um, i certainly wouldn't encourage people to um, switch to a high fat or at least a very high fat low carbohydrate diet i think we just need to get the balance right um, certainly another type of diet that's hit my radar is the CSIRO diet, and that one's pretty sound, to be honest. Um, we know that generally having a higher protein intake can help manage our hunger throughout the day. But what the CSIRO diet also encourages is a, more of a focus on these low GI carbs. So GI or glycemic mm-hmm. index refers to how quickly a carbohydrate-rich food will be broken down into energy in our bodies. So when it's a low GI, it's gonna sustain us longer. So low GI foods are things like legumes, fruits, some of your starchy vegetables as well. So it's gonna better sustain us um, and keep our guts nice and healthy as well.
0: Yeah, what about gut health? I mean that, that's something we've been talking a lot about lately too. How do we look after our guts?
1: Yeah, I think we've got to we've got to look at the bigger picture. Um, And we can't just focus on single foods. We've got to look at the the diet on the whole. And certainly we know the foods that are going to be really positive for our guts are those that are rich in fibre. So nuts, seeds, whole grains, including whole wheat, um, oats, as well as legumes so we know that we have a plethora of bacteria residing in our gut and the exact number is about 38 trillion and i feel really sorry for the guy who had to count each one individually but we know that having different strains of bacteria can actually have will confer a certain health benefit. Um, And having these types of bacteria in our guts can help reduce our risk factors for things like heart disease, type two diabetes, and also help to strengthen our immune system. So if we can focus on some of those foods that are gonna be nourishing for our guts, once again, we're gonna be holding ourselves in really good stead for good health outcomes in the future.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the best diet that is out there in your opinion for for, mo- for most people what is it
1: ricardo it's got to be the mediterranean diet uh, i don't think there's a better one on the market so mediterranean diet um, features things like extra virgin olive oil oils the predominant fat source plenty of legumes so think uh, lentils chickpeas beans whole grains fruit and vegetables and actually it's, a, it's encourages people to have less reliance on things like dairy and meats, but it's really once again lauding those plant-based foods. But I think where the Mediterranean diet just gets right is just the ratio between carbohydrates and fats. And I think for so long we've been focusing on low fat and now we're focusing on low carb and you don't need to go low fat, you certainly don't need to go low carb, you just need to get that balance right. So having more of those heart-healthy fats in your diet, the ones from avocados, nuts, seeds, and certainly extra virgin olive oil, but also including some of those carbohydrate and fibre-rich foods, things like whole grains and legumes will lead to better gut health and, uh, you know, reducing some of those risk factors for disease later in life. And I think one of the other benefits of the... um, Mediterranean diet that perhaps we don't focus enough on is actually there's some evidence to show that it can help boost our mood But also our sleeping patterns as well. So as a new dad, I think that uh, You know proof is in the pudding there. I'm gonna follow a Mediterranean diet because I uh, I lord the benefits of sleep
0: but in the Mediterranean right don't I mean I know when I'm lucky enough to holiday there, and those in the Mediterranean, they do eat a lot of salted, you know, meats and processed meats or your salamis and your prosciuttos. How does that kind of work in that diet, or is that not kind of classified as part of the Mediterranean
1: diet? Yeah, I wonder if it is sort of classified as part of the Mediterranean diet. I wonder if it's a very small component. And I think this is where we get into a little bit of trouble, where we focus on single foods or we focus on single nutrients. And I think we've got to look at the dietary pattern on the whole, and like I said at the very beginning, it's okay to include some of these sometimes foods in your diet. It's best just not to make them a regular thing. So, you know, perhaps if there are some processed meats, don't have them every day, but if you'd like to enjoy them from time to time, maybe have them once or twice a week. But I think we've got to get those fundamentals right. And I think that's where some of the those Mediterranean countries and people residing in those countries get that balance right where on the whole they're focusing on those rich plant-based options, the heart-healthy fats, um, as well as those lean protein sources. And, yes, from time to time they even enjoy a bit of a tipple and perhaps they enjoy a little bit of processed meat.
0: Very final question and we'll have to make it quick. If you could have just five things in your pantry, what would they be?
1: Okay. I would say canned legumes for one, eggs, Whole milk, probably even put soy milk in there, and there's a lot of conjecture around soy, but there's benefits uh, to soy for both men and women. Um, and the fifth one, have I mentioned nuts? Definitely got to be nuts. Right. I've probably okay. missed a whole few, and I've probably offended a few food groups, but uh, yes. Blame I it on me. I've also had fruit like. bowl and veggie crisper full, um, but I think you did specify pantry.
0: Okay, Joel, appreciate your time. Anyone listening on Spotify, you can follow Joel at the underscore nutrition guy on uh, Instagram. Joel, thank you very much, mate.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Cheers.
0: That's Joel Ferrin there, the nutrition guy. Um, I'm not sure if we are going to be able to get onto superannuation, but we will try. Um, There's been a lot of focus on superannuation over the past few weeks um, as some MPs debate whether or not to lift that super guarantee um, on, on time. They're talking about delaying it which possibly means less money for your super, and then the deadline for early access to your super, uh, that is looming. So let's see if I can get Deborah Kent uh, online. She is the founder of Integra Financial Services and a financial planner. What is super and why should we care? Uh,
2: Absolutely. Superannuation is one of those... um, I guess, those things in your life that is going to be the biggest um, uh, wealth for you outside of your family home. Um, And a lot of people don't realise that. A lot of people are not engaged with super because they see it as something that comes out of their salary um, and they think it's not theirs, but it is. And it will be a very large amount of money for retirement. And we need to prepare for retirement because, unfortunately, um, these days, you know, we can't rely on... The age pension looking after us in retirement why can't you
0: just rely on the pension
2: because the pension is not going to be enough um if you look at the pension these days um you know i mean a single pension it gets about roughly about 800 a fortnight um i don't have the exact figures in my head but um if you think about what you need to do in retirement as far as you know you want to have a good life you know if you want to go out and spend a bit of money and have a a, a nice dinner out once a week you know if you're on the pension there's not a lot of room for that um and the other problem is that you know if you wanted to take the odd holiday i mean people who live solely on the pension they don't have a lot of money to do things to make their retirement life really nice so it's um yeah i i just don't think people should rely on the pension
0: okay so let's talk about the basics of superannuation How do you build it? Because firstly, there's the superannuation guarantee. What's that exactly?
2: Okay, so the superannuation guarantee is an amount of money that your employer puts into super on your behalf. It's 9.5% currently of your gross annual salary. It goes into your super fund and accumulates over time. Um, That's your superannuation guarantee. There are other ways, of course, of putting money into superannuation as well, um, which we can also talk about.
0: Of course, let, let's talk about those because there are contributions you can make. You can do that before tax and after tax. So run us through those.
2: Yeah. So basically, if you want to put more money into superannuation, you can do that via what we call salary sacrifice. So you can go to your um, you can go to your super your employer and you can ask them to put uh, extra money into your super via salary sacrifice. So what that does is the employer will take that money out of your pre-tax dollars. So, in other words, if you earn $50,000 and you're going to put $1,000 into super, then they'll put the $1,000 into super and then you're taxed at on your $49,000 salary. Now, when the money goes into the super fund, it's taxed at $0.15. So, if you're, if you're uh, on every dollar, so if you're on a, on a tax rate of, say, 40%, You're actually going to save that bit of tax that you would normally pay on your salary and you're getting the benefit of money going into super. It's a really, really good way to do it. Um, But we need to be mindful that there is such a thing as a superannuation cap. Now, the superannuation cap currently is $25,000. So whatever your employer puts into super at 9.5% plus what you put in as salary sacrifice cannot go over Twenty five thousand under the current rules.
0: Right. Okay. So, how does one decide, right, whether it's worth making those super contributions um, rather than maybe paying off a mortgage?
2: Ah, uh, so this is an interesting one, Rick. Um, it paying off your mortgage is always going to be the right thing to do. Every financial advisor will definitely tell you that you need to get rid of debt. I mean, getting rid of debt. Um, especially before you retire, is a very, very good thing to do. Currently, we have interest rates in this country at very low rates. You can get some uh, no-frills mortgages at, say, 2.5%, two, two right? It's, it's, it's unheard of, the kind of interest rates we've got. So sometimes there may be that balance of do I put the money into the mortgage or do I put it into my super fund if my super fund's getting a reasonable performance? So if you look at performance now, obviously COVID has meant that we have a lot of um, uh, super funds who have, have gone backwards. I mean, pretty much we're in negative return area, but that's starting to build up. But on normal day, you know, times if we're looking at something like you're in super fund earning seven percent and your mortgage is two and a half, then maybe your dollar will work better for you on in your super fund. If you if you can get where I'm coming from. So that dollar mm. that goes to fund's going to earn seven and a half percent, where if you put on the mortgage, yes, it's two and a half percent, you're going to save. However, the one thing that I would say is if you look at that strategy, get advice, but uh, and also that superannuation, you cannot access it until you reach um, a condition of release, which is around that 65 years of age. So you have to be very careful that if you're going to put money into the superannuation rather than your mortgage, remember, you can't access it.
0: You, you mentioned accessing super, So let's talk about that. What are the ways you can access superannuation, considering it is meant to be for retirement?
2: Yeah, look superannuation you you can't really access it until you um reach what we call a condition of release so i'll just quickly go through those so you can when you turn 55 you can access your superannuation via what we call a pension um now that pension is capped at 10 percent of whatever the balance of your fund is that you may decide when you're getting to that stage where you're still working you can take the pension you can pop it back in as as a contribution back into the super fund, and there's a really good strategy around that. It's called a transition to retirement. Other than that, and if you don't do that, you you have to meet a condition at least, which is retirement or age 65, Um, and that's where you can access your super. You can take it via a lump sum or you can take a pension. Um, Your super fund becomes tax-free at the age of 60. So they're the sorts of strategies you can use when you retire. Prior to that, you can't get access to your fund unless you decide to approach your, the ATO on hardship provisions. Now, hardship provisions are fairly strict. Um, you just, you know, you have to be unemployed, you have to be on unemployment benefits, and you have to prove to the ATO that you need to access your super under hardship provisions. Um, currently, under COVID, um, there is early release, which you mentioned earlier. This is a one-off because of the pandemic. Um, There has been 10,000 that you could take prior to the 30th of June and there's another 10,000 you can take after the 30th of June. But you must, must qualify to do it. You can't just go in and take that super. You must qualify under the COVID rules.
0: Yes. So you mentioned that early access to super. So I think I've got a chart here from APRA. These are the latest numbers. APRA is the banking regulator that says uh, almost $16 billion in early super payments have been made and more than 2 million applications have been made and, and paid. So that's quite a large number. Do you think the Australian Taxation Office will be keeping a very close eye on the validity of these claims debts?
2: Uh, yes, I do think they will. I mean, there's not a lot come out about at the moment about the ATO looking at the validity of these claims. However, I have seen some instances where they have checked up on the odd uh, person that has done it. Um, so you need to be very careful that you do qualify under the COVID rules uh, to take this 10000 because the last thing you want to do is have the ATO come back to you um, and either want the money back or they may tax you on that money because currently under COVID you can take that $10,000 and it's tax-free, which it normally wouldn't be. So this is a very much a one-off. So if they uh, if they decide that you haven't put in a valid claim, they may tax that, that $10,000 that you've received. So you need to be very careful. You need to be honest and you need to make sure, do I really need to access my super? Can I get through this crisis without it? Because accessing your super now for that ten thousand dollars will cost you in the long run, with uh, with the balance of your superannuation fund in retirement.
0: Right, and 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 just finally, right, um, those who are watching and listening in their thirties and forties, what's your message to those who are now starting to think about their future and superannuation?
2: Uh, my my message is take note of your super. There, there. there's a lot of statistics out there that show that that age bracket have no interest in their super. They just don't take an interest in it. Um, and as I said earlier, it's one of the biggest forms of wealth that you will have outside your family home. So what my message is, take note of your super for the young ones. Make sure that you understand your super, what investment option that you're in. Most uh, superannuation funds, when you go to your employer, they'll go into Uh, A default super fund with a default option and that may not be right for you so check out your investment options and make sure that you're in the right one don't forget if you're in your 30s you got a long time to go before you can access this money so you can ride out ups and downs in the market make sure you check if you've got insurance in there, life insurance if you have got life insurance is it enough life insurance uh, be very careful about moving super funds from one to the other. If you do have life insurance, you will lose that. So be very careful, um, and just take note of it. You know, understand it. Understand how they invest. You know, uh, you know, are they investing into sustainable investments, for instance, or are they investing in other types of investments that um, that you uh, would prefer not to? I mean, there's there's a lot of that happening at the moment, where a lot of young people are wanting to invest into sustainable investments for the future of the world, Um, not only the money that they've got invested. So, you know, be engaged. There's there's fabulous things around, Rick. You can go onto the Money Smart website. You can have a look in there and you can can do some calculations. You can look at how superannuation funds, you know, can accumulate over time. You can also, uh, as I said, um, there's a lot of apps around, fabulous apps, where those apps will allow you to put extra money into super um, just by spending money. So it might round up the amount of money that you're spending. So you're spending $15.50. It might round it up to $16.50. goes into your super fund. What a great idea. Fabulous. And for that age bracket, apps are terrific. And there's a lot of them around. Go searching for them.
0: Deborah Kent, I think that's a good place to leave it. Thank you so much. A few technical difficulties, but we got the audio. We got to hear all that fantastic information. Deborah Kent, you can contact her at Twitter at Deborah Kent 10 Deb, thank you so much. Now, Deb did mention uh, that Money Smart website. It's actually a great tool. It's um, run by the Australian Government, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. The address is on your screen, www.moneysmart.gov.au. It's an excellent resource with information about superannuation, how you can find your lost super, and uh, plenty more information on there. So that's moneysmart.gov.au. That is it for this stream. Don't forget that the information on this program is general in nature and you should contact a licensed financial professional to make sure any decision or any financial decision that you make is the right one for you. Uh, Your health and your wealth is all over social media. It's on Facebook, Facebook, it's on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Periscope, and YouTube. And of course, there'll be an audio stream of this on Spotify, which might sound pretty interesting given given the technical difficulties we had today. Um, Please share it and like it, tell your friends. I'm Ricardo Gonzalez. I wish you very good health and wealth.